The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Father John Zolsdorf with another podcast. We welcome as our guest today the Missale Romanum, and not just any Missale Romanum, but the 1962 edition of the Missale Romanum, as was used before and during the Second Vatican Council. Today we will use the Missale Romanum to drill into a seasonal prayer, the preface, the preface for ascension. Well, today I thought I'd introduce something into the podcast, which I, I don't think I've done before. Of course, these podcasts are taught, attached to my blog called What Does the Prayer Really Say?, which originally started as, as uh, examinations of prayers of Holy Mass, looking at the Latin, the real content of the Latin, and then comparing that to the uh, translation English translation that is in use throughout the world, still in use, sadly, still in use throughout the world, even though now we know that there's going to be soon, fairly soon, the new translation, the new English translation, which has been approved by Rome, and we are all looking forward to that, at least people, good, sensible people are all looking forward to that. Uh, this What Does the Prayer Really Say project in all its manifestations is going to probably be uh, transforming itself uh, into who knows what. But uh, perhaps a, a step in that direction will be uh, with this podcast. Uh, I will uh, take a look today at an element of the preface that we use at Ascension, the Ascension of the Lord and for the days that follow the ascension of the Lord until Pentecost. Every season has its own prefaces, and the beginning and the end of the prefaces are pretty much the same, with some minor variations here and there, but there's always a little core section inserted into the older text, which was very simple. These little insertions to differentiate the feast, or the purpose, or the season, in which the preface is prayed. And remember, the preface is also considered to be uh, very intimately tied to the canon of the Mass. Uh, in the older form of Holy Mass, we had only one Eucharistic prayer, the Roman canon. But uh, the preface is tied intimately, intimately to the Eucharistic prayer. And so today, let's drill into that core section of the preface for the Ascension prayed at Holy Mass in this mysterious time for the church between the ascension of the Lord and Pentecost. Now, uh, what I should probably do first is uh, sing the preface so that you have a sense of what the whole thing sounds like. And then we'll go back and look at that core section. And I'll comment a little bit on the grammar and uh, on a particular verb, and then maybe we'll pull it apart theologically a little bit. Now, this is where we have a choice to make, because 
The preface for the Ascension in the older form, in the uh, traditional Latin Mass, the extraordinary use, is uh, very simple, and the core part of the uh, preface goes back to uh, ninth, at least the ninth century. I found it in the Liber Sacramentorum Augustodunensis, which is an ancient manuscript uh, for prayers for Mass. But the newer form uh, has a new composition in the Novus Ordo Mass, in the third edition of the Missali Romanum that I'm looking at. You find a much more elaborate core section, middle section, uh, for the preface. So we have a choice to make. I think right now I'm going to confine myself to the older form. And in a subsequent podcast, we can take a look at uh, the newer form. Uh, for now, let's just take a look at the older form. So we can really get a sense of this. What I should probably do is I should um, I should read it in Latin and then uh, read an English translation of it in uh, from some hand missile or other and uh, then maybe sing it so you can get it into your ears so it could be useful for you the next time you go to Holy Mass in the older form. Uh, let's uh, let's first read the text, and uh, we'll start from the beginning, including the dialogue, just so you can get that part into your ears too. It won't take long. Of course, the priest finishes. You know, you hear him say "Per omnia secula seculorum," and everyone responds "Amen." Dominus obiscum. The response "Et cum spiritu tuo." Sursum corda. The response "Habemus ad dominum." Gracias agamus Domino Deo Nostro. Response, Dignum et Justum est. And now there begins the preface. Veri Dignum et Justum est, ecum et salutare, nos tibi semper et ubique gracias agere, Domine Sancte Pater Omnipotens, etene Deus, per Christum Dominum Nostrum, qui, post resurrectionem suam omnibus discipuli suis, manifestus apparuit, et ipsis cenentibus est elevatus in celum, ut nos divinitatis sue tribueret esse participes, et ideo cum angelis et archangelis, cum tronis et dominationibus, cumque omnibilitiae celestis exertitus, hymnum gloriae tue canibus sine fine dicentes. And of course it goes on, sanctus, 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 dominus Deus sabbat, right? So uh, let's hear a translation. I'm picking up here my copy of the Roman Catholic Daily Missal that's published by the Angelus Press. This is the publishing arm of the Society of St. Pius X. And it's a beautiful hand missal, bound in leather with gold pages and so forth, as a hand missal should be. Very beautiful book, precious heirloom a person can use for his or her entire life. Now, here is the preface for the Ascension. And uh, you know the, the beginning part, I'm sure. And uh, it's the dialogue at the beginning of the preface. And, of course, uh, what you have in the old hand missiles uh, is going to be you know, much closer to what people are going to be hearing in the new translation uh, for the the Novus Ordo, which is coming up. But let's let's just hear it. Let's hear it in English. Um, 
The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We have lifted them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is meet and just. It is truly meet and just, right and for our salvation, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to thee, Holy Lord, Father Almighty, Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, who, after his resurrection, appeared openly to all his disciples, and in the sight of them all was taken up into heaven, that he might make us sharers in his own divinity. And therefore, with the angels and archangels, with thrones and dominations, and with all the hosts of the heavenly army, we sing a hymn to thy glory evermore, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. And you know the rest of that. Now, let's hear what it sounds like sung in the solemn tone. And you'll have to put up a, a little bit with a, my voice. My voice is slightly rough, but since this is a, a didactic exercise rather than Holy Mass, I'm not quite so worried about that. Uh, let's hear the, uh, uh, the opening dialogue and everything. Uh, we'll start with the priest after, after the secret prayer. He sings, Per omnia saecula saeculorum. Amen. Dominus vobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo, sursum corda, abemus ad dominum. Gratias agamus, domino Deo nostro, dignum et justum est. Veri dignum et justum est, ecum et salutare, nos tibi semper et ubique gratias agere, Domine Sancte Pater omnipotens eterne Deus, per Christum Dominum nostrum. Qui post resurrectionem suam, omnibus discipulis suis manifestus aparuit, et ipsis cernentibus est elevatus in celum, ut nos divinitatis sue tribueret se participes, et ideo, cum angelis angelis, cum tronis et dominationibus, cum que omni militia celestis exegitus, hymnum gloriae tue canibus, sine fine dicentis. And of course, then we go on with the singing of the Sanctus. Now, let's go back and pull some of this apart, or drill into it, as I often will say. Um, I First of all, remember that the preface uh, was a much shorter text originally, and then they would insert into the preface, interpolate into it, uh, special um, elements uh, for the season, or for the feast, or for the occasion. And in the um, the core section that I found stuck into this preface, uh, I found in a ninth century 
book called the Liber Sacramentorum Augustodunensis. So it's been a while uh, so that we've used this in the church. Now remember, in the newer form of Mass, in the Novus Ordo, they just wrote this new thing and stuck it in. But here, in the older form of Mass, we've got something that's going back to at least the 9th century, and probably, um, I'm guessing, many centuries before that as well. So let's hear just the Latin of it. Then we'll take a look at you know, one or two grammar points and a word or two, and then I'll give you uh, my own literal version, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. So, we hear within the preface, we hear per Christum Dominum Nostrum, qui post resurrectionem suam, omnibus discipuli suis, manifestus apparuit, ed ipsis cernentibus est elevatus in celum, ut nos divinitati sue tribueret esse participes, et ideo, etc. Now, for you students of Latin, there's a very nice ablative absolute in there, ipsis cernentibus, and it refers back to the disciples. And also, uh, here's a very good example for your sequence of tenses in this. The perfect is in the main clause. We hear an aparuit in there. And it's followed by right away by an ut clause that's going to have a subjunctive with it because it's an ut clause indicating purpose, right? He's doing this in order that he this other thing happened. And you'll hear the verb in the imperfect subjunctive, tribueret. And this conveys futurity. That's a very common pattern, and Latin students should be able to recognize that one right away. Now, this verb cerno needs a little attention. This cerno, the ipsis cernentibus, in there in that absolute, ablative absolute, I think it needs a little attention. Cerno can simply be taken to, um, taken as to distinguish by the senses. If you look in your Lewis and Short dictionary, which I'm sure you have uh, right you know, next to you, um, you look up cherno, you find to distinguish by the senses. As in um, our English word to discern, and discern even has the root from the Latin cherno right in there. But even in that English discern, you find the idea of making distinctions. The mind is involved in it. And cherno in Latin actually means to separate, to distinguish by the senses, mostly by the, by the eyes. Uh, for example, to perceive, to see, to discern. And this is why uh, we can perhaps find in some translations uh, that you'll find in your hand missiles, they'll say, as the disciples were looking, or as the disciples were watching. Now, I think we need to go a little farther than that. But first, let's hear a, a literal version of this. Um, who after his resurrection, and the who, of course, refers back to Christ our Lord, who, after his resurrection, appeared openly to all his disciples, and, while they were observing, was taken up into heaven, that he might grant unto us to be sharers in his own divinity. Now, just taking that little bit of the text, you know, consider the moment now, the disciples must have known that, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, something was up. The Lord, the risen Lord, had been with them, teaching, and teaching them profound things since the resurrection for 40 days. And these were things that they were going to, they knew they were going to have to remember and then pass along 
and discuss deeply amongst uh, themselves to come to understand. Now, this is why I think we have to be careful with that chernentibus in there, that ipsis chernentibus, that verb cherno, because, you know, you'll find look as they were looking in some translations, but I think we need a stronger thing. We need something to watch or observe or even regard as they were regarding, as they were observing. I think the disciples were doing just, they were doing a little more than just looking at the Lord. They were attending every word and gesture with the utmost attention. Wouldn't you have been attending, watching, regarding, observing with every bit of your attention? You know, you think about a sports event. Well, when something really, some important moment comes along, everyone's eyes lock on the action or on the inaction before the action. Things get quiet. And if you've ever had, maybe you're not into athletics, maybe you're on the student side, right? If you ever had a particularly good teacher, you might have had the experience of looking forward actually to going to that class and then while you were there with great diligence, really careful attention, taking down every detail in your notes, you wanted to get everything. Well, this has to be the case that we have with the disciples together with the risen Lord made flesh who has taken them out to this place to do something special. And he's been talking about, you know, you know now you see me, someday you won't see me. You know, something was up. Now, let's make this concrete. We belong to the church. They belonged to the church. was very small then, but we belong to the church too. We have opportunities for this experience. Every time you go to Holy Mass, you have an opportunity to have this experience. Every time you go to Holy Mass, because you are baptized and a member of the body of Christ, you are involved with the sacred action which is being conducted therein by the true actor. The true actor is the high priest, Jesus Christ. Every word and every gesture at Holy Mass are his. And we are integrated into that and we are able to participate in that actively by our baptismal character. He uses, he takes the use of our voices and our hands in different roles at different moments, different modes. Now, if you knew by some singular grace that you were going to be given a few minutes to observe personally the celestial liturgy around the throne of the Most High Trinity, surrounded by the saints and the angels, do you think you would not try beforehand to clear and focus your mind and get ready for it as that moment approached when the vision would begin. Do you think you might perhaps strain and long with every sense and every fiber of your being to take it all in, to forget nothing, to see everything, to hear it and sense it and feel it and be a part of it as much as you possibly could for the short time that was given you? At Holy Mass, that is what we experience, even though we're experiencing it, even like Moses did 
when he had to peer at God's back as he passed, he peered at him through a crack in a rock that God put him behind. Or when Paul, he talks about looking at things through a mirror darkly. One day we will see this face to face, but now we have it as if through a mirror darkly. Or just getting what we can through these sensible signs. But the other side of this is that this is what we're destined for. You see, there is something on the other side of the mirror. There is something on the other side of that rock. We can only gaze through a chink in the rock now. But one day we are going to be there. And in a sense, we are there now already. Our humanity right now is seated at the right hand of the Father in the person, Jesus Christ. The Word took our humanity into an indestructible bond with his divinity so that our whole humanity might be saved, but also that forever and ever and ever in an ineffable way, our humanity might be transformed in a way the, that the Greek fathers referred to this transformation as divinization. That whole process begins, of course, in the Incarnation. It was Augustine and Leo taught the Word became the Son of Man that we might become the sons of God. But in heaven, that divine adoption is going to draw us toward the Trinity forever. I think it was Gregory of Nyssa who described heaven almost like a great spiral, like this great spiraling dance in which we are forever moving forward toward the Trinity, who is infinitely mysterious and infinitely distant from us, even while being present to us. And at the same time as we are moving forward, we are yet moving around ourselves. Remember, we are God's images, and by beholding God, we learn about ourselves. Right now, as we gaze at ourselves, we can also learn things about God. But there, face to face, as we behold God, we will be learning more and more about ourselves as his images. And we will gaze at God and long for God and strain forward towards God with an ever-amazed in an intent, always untiring, untiring but straining toward the inexhaustible. And now consider what happens at Holy Mass. This is the crack through in the rock through which you can gaze at the mystery. Consider what will occur at Holy Mass and the careful attention, the discernment, the regard deserved by all every word and every action in every Holy Mass.
with that, I'm going to wrap this up. I'll keep it short today, maybe with these podcasts, so I can keep them a little shorter. And as we begin a kind of a new stage, we've had 100 podcasts so far. It's been kind of a learning experience. And uh, uh, now we begin a whole new chapter. It feels like a new chapter with a 101st podcast. I hope you'll come and visit the blog, wdtprs.com. That's Whiskey Delta Tango, Papa Romeo Sierra.com. Or you can just Google Father Z or go to fatherzonline.com, F-E-T-H-E-R-Z online.com. And uh, on the sidebar there, there's a uh, menu item for uh, the podcast page, and you can find uh, where all of these podcasts have been archived. And uh, do uh, participate in the discussions on the blog. We have a lot of wonderful people there and uh, some very good and interesting and informative discussions. And I hope uh, in the meantime, until next time, you will pray for me as I will for you.